Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are extremely stylish, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird? Now, Jonah, we have a guest today who is a huge music fan and has some similarities in music taste to you in that you both love hot, cool punk rock. Yeah, I mean, not maybe exactly the way I would phrase it, but yeah, that is true. Um, He also has some similarities to you in that you're both extraordinary comedic types. Wait, did you write this? Yeah, I did. You know, Jonah, in honor of today's guest, I thought that you and I could talk a little bit about when I used to open for your various bands live shows and I would do these um, sick comedy roasts that the audiences always hated and would often actually boo me, but that like you and me and like three quarters of your band really enjoyed. Yeah, I remember my old band, The Love Kill, we would play in Chicago a lot when you were living there. And you would come on stage while we were setting up and you, would, you know, I would help you sometimes write the jokes like, you know, yes. the one we always talk about is 
you get up there and be like empty bottle, more like empty club because there was no one there. Yes, that was a favorite. That one, you know, usually killed to the six people there. And uh, yeah, I think people, especially before you were on SNL, people definitely were confused by what was happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even when I wasn't on SNL, they were maybe even more confused <laughs> when I was doing that. But, you know, last night I found this notebook with one of my more recent rows of your, some might say current band, United Nations, when you guys played at this metal bar, St. Vitus in New York. And I think this is probably around 2017 that I did this roast of you 2014. guys. Well, there's an article on Pitchfork about you doing one in 2014, but I think you might've done a couple. Okay. Okay. So maybe this one is actually from 2014. This looks like a pretty old notebook, um, but I just wanted to read you some of the classic jokes I did and maybe even read you the entire roast if it doesn't feel like it's getting too long. By the way, just to clarify, Jonah's band United Nations also went by the name the UN. We actually didn't go by that name really that much. That was sort of a thing I think you kind of came up with. Oh, cool. (laughs) Glad I learned that just now. (laughs) When I first heard the UN was releasing a new album called The Next Four Years, I thought it was about college. But after looking at these guys, I'm pretty sure it's about how long they plan on couch surfing before getting a real job. (laughs) <laughs> pretty harsh pretty harsh they get kind of worse the UN released an album four years ago called Nevermind the Bombings here's your six figures <laughs> Actually, pretty strong words from a bunch of guys who think capitalism is a thing you do at the beginning of a sentence <laughs> <laughs> when the UN first formed they released a photo of the members all wearing Reagan masks I think they were trying to make a statement and that statement was it's 2008 and we think Reagan is still president because we get our news from the high times. Speaking of which, don't get high and come to one of the UN's shows because you might get super paranoid and think you're stuck in a dark room and someone's screaming at you. Oh, wait, that is what's happening. (laughs) But seriously, don't mess with these guys. I mean, the lead singer's name is Jeff with a G, so he might be able to sell you a great denim jacket at Land's End. But the ladies have really got to watch out for Jonah and Lucas because they might try to get into your pants drawer because they're so skinny. It's like eat a sandwich, you idiots. (laughs) Not my strongest one. David and Zach round out the UN, and based on their names, I assume they're great at playing music when they're not at... (laughs) When they're not at t-ball practice and they've finished doing their homework. (laughs) Speaking of names, can you imagine if these guys were members of the actual United Nations? I think their goal would be to make sure every country had access to Funyuns, (laughs) a bong, and Spike TV so that everyone could experience bar rescue just like they do during working hours. Okay. But honestly... So proud of my brother Jonah, who inspired that last joke for releasing their new album the next four years on the label Temporary Residence, which is also what they call their parents' house when they're talking <laughs> when they're talking <laughs> to girls. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's all right. That was pretty much it. Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> it's how I remember it. It's how I remember it. it was a long time ago, but um, a lot of a lot of burns. The truth is, like I don't. You guys were not really big potheads or anything i guess i just it felt like you know you gotta pick something you gotta you gotta, pick you, gotta something. you gotta lean into it yeah exactly so i hope 
um, the listeners enjoyed all those. Yeah, there was a video of this up, I guess, on this Pitchfork article, but it's it's been taken down. It's unavailable. So I guess okay. you had to be there. But this is so, probably the next here. closest thing. Yeah. Or if yeah. you were here, you basically experienced it. Really incredible stuff. <laughs> Speaking of incredible, we have an incredible guest on the podcast today. Um, this is someone who me and Vanessa have been fans of for many years. He's a writer and comedian and hosts The Best Show. He's also a music video director, voice actor, television writer on shows such as Tim and Eric Awesome Show, as well as a writer executive producer of one of our dad's favorite shows, Monk. He says work published in a lot of magazines. He's directed videos for new pornographers, Ted Leo, Amy Mann, and he's the author of the best-selling memoir, It Never Ends, which I cannot recommend enough. Uh, it is Tom Sharpling. Hi. Hi, Tom. Sorry, I... I, I there was so much for me to get through because you've done so much stuff. I know that's really what it just feels like. It's like, why don't we just list what this guy didn't do? It would be shorter at this point. <laughs> that's how no. it exactly. for sure. No, please. That's a very flattering introduction. So thank you so much. Of course. And I almost forgot that you directed a postal service video that Vanessa was in. Yes, we did something during pandemic. Oh, right. Was, yeah, it was fun. Nobody remembers what they did during pandemic. You're just kind of like, Oh, there was that day when I was laying there and then I got up and did a thing for 90 minutes and then I went and laid down again. At least that's how my pandemic felt. It does feel like that could have been a year ago or that could have been like two days ago. It was last August. Wow. Those roast jokes were outstanding. Oh, thank <laughs> you so much, Tom. That means a lot coming from you. And I, you know, I really was hoping you would appreciate them. Mm -hmm. Roast can be kind of mean spirited. So I think Vanessa's tone with it is good. It's 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 insulting, but not offensive. Sure. No. And there was a I, I like the idea that the classic roast thing when you like attribute something that isn't even true to them like you pot smokers you yeah you guys in your and you're just meanwhile you're like i don't they're not pot smokers really but it's like ah you pot you dumb hippies with your weed exactly it's just kind of fun to go up there and make fun of them and mm -hmm. they're all really good sports about it yeah we loved it i mean it's great i mean it's um tom how do you feel about comedians opening for rock bands i'm trying to think we me and vanessa saw amy schumer open for madonna once that was interesting. Mm -hmm. yeah. but I, and I know Bobcat Goldthwaite opened for Nirvana famously. I mean, what have you have, do you think it can work? What do you think it really needs in order to work? I think it can. I think um, it probably helps if the audience has some affinity for the comedian, then you're you're good to go. Like like when Fred pops up on stuff, it's like everybody's like, oh, it's Fred. We love Fred. And then Fred right. has all the goodwill in the world. And then Fred can do whatever Fred wants to do. And. But like Yola Tango would ha do their Hanukkah shows and they would always have a comedian in the middle of the bill. And that was like a nice, fun kind of change of gears before the band went on. John Worcester and I were doing live shows and then we did a festival in Seattle or not Seattle's in Washington State. And um, yeah, it really didn't go well at all. <laughs> we were in a tent that was like the comedy tent. And then we started to realize it's just like, oh, the other bands are playing 300 feet away from us and it's loud and nobody wants we're having a hard time thinking straight yeah and then you just start to realize it's like oh people are using the comedy tent as the it's not as hot in here as yes. it is outside right space at Less the festival people, it's cooler i've been in that situation <laughs> yeah because we watched somebody like eat it before us and we're just like yeah they had a rough time too bad for you 
And then we, <laughs> we, we ate it probably about a hundred times worse than they did. We're just like, Hey, wait, if we could just get a little bit of what they had, uh, we would <laughs> be very appreciative to just get a little bit of, to just get ignored rather than have somebody like, like shake their head. No, as they leave the tent, just saying yeah. like, we don't want this. So yeah, it's, it's a tricky endeavor though. A lot of times, but I, I think it's worth trying. I feel like you're a real master of mixing those two, those two worlds, comedy and music. I mean, the thing that immediately came to my mind when you, when you started naming John Worcester was the, um, the Labrador video you did with Amy Mann, where you shot by shot recreated mm-hmm. the video for Voices Carry. Yeah, no, that was fun. And that was one of those ones where I was just like, I had an idea for it. And then I felt so scared to pitch it to Amy because it was just like, and if the first time I did, she like laughed as if it was like, that's a funny, dumb idea. Could you imagine? And then I'm just like, yeah, could you imagine? Uh, And then like a few days later, I'm like, hey, you know that idea? I actually think it was a real thing, actually, not I wasn't just making a joke. (laughs) I would like to do that. This is for people who haven't seen it. Amy Mann's former band. uh, Till Tuesday, was that? Till Tuesday. Till Tuesday. Had this very, very popular song, Voices Carry. And it had like a very narrative video where. Her boyfriend was just like a a jerk. And he didn't like the, that, that she grew like a rat tail or whatever you (laughs) called it back then. Like the, that kind of like that straight braided hair and he was just like it's like you're going punk on me and i don't like it yeah it was like the kind of music video that was very like early like 80s early 90s where like they would like make the sound softer so you could hear the characters in the music video talk and the guy was just like i don't like what you're doing and then like back to the song (laughs) yeah they just pot it down and then tom directed a really great song of Amy Mann's, a more recent song called Labrador. And they recreated the video with John Worcester playing the lead guy who's the guy who <laughs> wants her to t- tone it down. And yeah, and with John, you just look at his face and it's instantly the funniest thing you've ever seen. So it's just, it's incredible. It's so fun. I mean, John is truly the only, he's truly the funniest musician ever. I totally agree. He's so funny. Oh my God, I can't handle it. We love Philly Boy Roy so much that one time when we were in Philadelphia visiting our grandmother, uh-huh. we had our grandma call her friend who had a, has a really strong Philly accent. Oh, like almost <laughs> almost like a fake sounding Philly accent, like so yeah. exaggerated. Mm-hmm. And we had our grandma was in on it and she put her friend on speakerphone <laughs> so that we could record oh. it on our phones. And then uh-huh. we sent it to John because we thought mm-hmm. it was so funny. <laughs> yeah. And John couldn't believe it. Yeah. No, and I will say, I really do feel like before John came up with the idea, because he was just like, I remember it's like at the beginning of the best show, like 20 years ago, John was just like, what about if I do a thing based on like the way, like that really thick Philly accent, <laughs> like not just like a slight Philly accent, like there's people like outer borough of Philly just in the surrounding towns. And he's like, they have super thick accents and and then he started doing it and I was like, yeah, of course. No, I he- I've heard that before, but it was like not known. It was like not a, right. not as common a reference point as it was before John started doing it. I really think he he brought that to the comedy world, that that accent. And then now you have um, Kate Winslet 
Mayor of Easttown. Totally. Yes. yes. Totally. Just now everybody knows that Philly accent. You're right. You know, the Amy Mann thing reminds me, me and Vanessa used to do this web series sound advice and we had to pitch. We were also nervous about pitching an idea to Amy Mann. And oh, Jonah, you ran out of the room, I think. I had to actually, I was so nervous I had to leave the room because it was when uh, it was when she was. With what t- kind of idea were you pitching? That well, you here was the idea. It was like to physically leave the room. <laughs> well, I was so nervous because Vanessa played this sort of media coach that kind of was similar to the roast of my band. She mm-hmm. she would basically kind of roast the guests and and it was in this. Obviously, you know, it was in this band, uh, the, the Bulls with Ted Leo. Yes. And we would write these jokes and then they would be really funny on paper. And then we would meet these people we admired in real life and be like, oh, we're going to do this to them. Now, the, to and they're fair, real people. The one who had to do the joke was me. <laughs> yeah. Joan was the one who ran out of the room. But I, think <laughs> I don't think know j- if I ran out of the room, but I think <laughs> okay, I had to okay. like get some air. Okay. I think Let's, you had to get some you know. air. The sure. joke was something to the effect. So it was like I was playing this media coach giving advice to the both, mm-hmm. um, their band. And I, I, it was something like. I remember the joke. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Do it. The do joke it. was, um, are you guys called the both because you're both almost eligible for social security? No, that's okay. Sure. That's, that's, uh, that's a hard one. I, I might run out of the room now. <laughs> not, not the, not the greatest joke, but also just a hard joke to, to say to someone you admire. Who you admire, who you've never met. Like, you're yeah. just like so excited. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm meeting these two people who are like, you know, just incredible sure and just making a joke about their age and, but i will say that they were great sports about it totally cool mm-hmm. totally into it it's you know just great yeah i was i was amazed there was no joke you did vanessa about to sing like the un and make like unlistenable like <laughs> un, like watchable yeah i mean look still more roast to come there was vanessa also did a roast of, of a house party when i first moved in this apartment this massive house party with like I would say over a hundred people. I I knew like four people. This, this was party. in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In, in South Williamsburg. I just moved in with these guys in this loft and they, I guess th- through these huge parties, I didn't know them that well. And Vanessa did a roast of the audience at this party. Got on, There was a DJ and got on the mic and was like, literally Jonah, you and I sat down and we wrote jokes to you. Like help me write like a page of jokes. Yeah. And it was on Kent Avenue and th- the address was like three thirty Kent. Place. And you know, she was like three thirty Kent or three thirty Kent dance. And was just <laughs> really, really going hard. And then it basically got, it ended. Oh, wait, she, I want to say one more joke that I sure. said. I said, this is actually really not great. <laughs> Something about the line for the bathroom. What do you guys think this is? What do you guys think you're lining up for unemployment? I really love to make fun of Jonah's audiences not having jobs. Sure. No, because <laughs> I would say something that, that's called UN and like, they're called that because you, I would say Jonah, you and your band's called you, you and you and your bandmates should consider breaking up. <laughs> I would Tom, I wish we had you there to kind of punch up some of these I jokes. I do too. I do too. I'm sorry. I think, I and that the, mean <laughs> the roast ended because Vanessa insulted the DJ. She's like, you might not recognize this DJ. He performed at your bar mitzvah or something. And the guy was not mm-hmm. into it and just turned the music mm-hmm. on. And that was sort of it. Yeah, and it seemed like I was on SNL at the time, but it, I think it was like very nobody, early on. I think it was early on. on. No one really gave mm-hmm. gave to. You were a featured player. He couldn't. He couldn't a, just give a it. Featured player. You got to get in the main cast, and then he would have let you keep going. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, well, we're going to throw to a quick commercial. We'll be right back with Tom Sharpley. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Okay, we're back. Tom, we want to talk about the cultural touchstone that you brought in today. Mm -hmm. But first, I just want to say something that has become quite a point of focus on um, this podcast is our dad being the first Todd. And 
the first time we kind of explored that topic was on the best show with you. Yeah. I just wanted to kind of, I don't know how many years ago that was, but I think it was the first time we really brought it to the public. Yeah. <laughs> and just wanted to see however many years ago, how, how you're feeling about it. I think about it a fair amount. It's <laughs> troubling how often I run it through my mind to just go like, seriously, it's like he might, maybe he is the first Todd. And then I'd say like, well, no, I think Todd Rundgren is probably a hair older than your dad. One year. What, that's exa- And so I'm just like, well, then right there, it's over. I know, but. Unless you're saying regionally, unless you're saying like for. There's two arguments that one is, is his name really Todd Rundgren or is it Theodore Rundgren? And he just started calling himself Todd after our dad was born. Mm -hmm. And two is, and this is what I think is more likely, is that his parents did have a unique thought and so did Todd Rundgren's parents. Mm -hmm. And that's at some point, both our dad and Todd Rundgren, that name caught on. Yeah, so so maybe they were the franchisees for Todd's in their respect. Like, so Todd Rundgren had Philly locked down, and yeah. right. you're Ohio had yeah, yeah. Cleveland, Ohio, yeah, locked. Yeah, that's right. So maybe maybe they were the franchisees of his name is Todd Harry Rundgren. Is his proper name? Interesting. Okay, Todd Harry Rundgren. This is mm-hmm. tough to dispute. Um. <laughs> Tom, when we were at, when Vanessa was on the best of, did you think ten years from now I'll probably be in another podcast talking about this subject <laughs> yet again? I did. Yeah. I really did. I Incredible. Knew, I knew it was coming. I said, "This is not over. This is going to just be the story that keeps going until I expire. The story will outlive me." Well, speaking of expiring, Tom. <laughs> oh, that's it. Professional transition. A little bit of a yeah, getting pretty good at this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Segways, etc. You know, I'm a true lover of candy, so I was very excited when I heard what you wanted to talk about today. Um, you wanted to discuss, of course, Reggie bars, which were a candy bar that was uh, named for the one-time New York Yankees right fielder Reggie Jackson. The Reggie bar was a round milk chocolate covered bar with peanuts and a caramel center. Reggie bars. What what do you love? What do you what do you love about them? <laughs> well, it was just the it was like a when I think back on it and I had not thought about it, not like I think about Todd. <laughs> I had not thought about Reggie and his candy bar for a long time. But then I um I st- I was just like, well, what from my past had like this weird resonance and I was just like it's the strangest thing that there was just like a candy bar named after like a baseball, like a current baseball player had a candy bar and I used to eat them like crazy. I was just like, it was like, but, and I don't even know if it was a good candy bar. It was just like a blob of caramel and peanuts. It was an odd shape. It wasn't round. It wasn't like a bar shape. It was like a round disc almost. Yes. It was just a flat blob of chocolate. And it, but it was just the idea that there was this candy bar that I remember just being like, like begging my parents to buy me Reggie bars. And like, I wanted them so badly and I just was so into it. And then it just was gone at a point, just suddenly just one day it's like, there's no more Reggie bars. They just don't make them anymore. And I think a part of it is the idea It had a two-tiered impact on me. One is the existence of the Reggie bar. 
And one is the crass absence and the stopping of the manufacturing of a Reggie bar. Just the idea that like a thing that seemed so important, they just could, they would just stop making at a point. And you're like, I still, why, where is it? And you realize everything is just like business at that point. I think that's the first time that like you realize it's like, oh, it's all about money. And there's some dumb, probably some dumb business decision why they're not making it anymore. And I don't, I didn't actually matter in the scheme of things with the Reggie bar, whether they'd keep making them or not. Well, look, no one's bringing more attention to them right now than you. So it seems like you are making an impact in there, you know. Well, fingers crossed. Tom, were these like, because I, I don't really remember them. Were they like available everywhere? Could you only get them at games or were they no, all over everywhere. the place? Every, really? It was just like you would go to, you'd go to a 7-Eleven and they were Reggie bars were at 7-Eleven. They were just suddenly right there next to just Hershey bars and Snickers and all the rest were, um, was this, this candy bar that had a human on the front of it that you, that I was like, that I liked. It was like, yeah, my hero has a candy bar now. They, it looks like they first gave them out at the Yankees home opener in 1976. And it was sort of like a novelty thing. And then they were so popular they stuck around before this article very cleverly said getting benched in 1982. So it looks like they're around 1976 to 1982. And then a slightly tweaked Reggie bar with peanut butter instead of caramel made a brief comeback in the 90s. But it was gone for good just a short time later. And I guess there was also a thing where like at Yankees games, sometimes they were kind of dangerous because fans would get so excited about how well Reggie Jackson was doing that they would like throw them. And then yeah. this article. Yeah. So that was a thing, too, I guess. Yeah. They'd whip <laughs> Reggie bars onto the field <laughs> and then they'd have to stop the game for a half hour to pick up Reggie bars because <laughs> like, they don't want players slipping on candy bars. I mean, they really did not do themselves any favor by making it a disc shape that's so easy no. to throw. It's It can just carry now. They're like, well, what should we do with this? Let's give them out at games and shape them like Frisbees. Exactly. Yeah. Very strange, um, you know, but and also another just a side note for people who really want to get into the nitty gritty of this candy bar baseball connection. Um, this article says the original Reggie bar was a heck of a lot like Baby Ruth, which is often mistake, mistakenly thought to have a connection to baseball legend Babe Ruth. But it was more like the name for President Grover Cleveland's daughter, Ruth. <laughs> but I read in preparation for this. I read up on Baby Ruth. That is not that is what the Baby Ruth people wanted to say. They here's how that went down. The Baby Ruth. I love see. I love getting the inside scoop. That's why we come to you, Tom. <laughs> for yeah, well, it's great to be known for candy. Is my my claim to fame? Oh no, I want to ask about garbage. Let me. Where's Tom? Let's get Tom in here. He knows about eating crap. No, but it was the thing where in the early 20s, Babe Ruth is this huge icon. And then this like scummy candy bar company is just like, well, we'll just call it Baby Ruth. And then he tried to like, he tried to like sue them or just get a piece of it. And then they're like, no, we named it after Grover Cleveland's daughter who died 20 years earlier. Oh. So they weren't naming a candy bar Please. after a dead child. She died in childhood. So they did not, you know, you'd always name a candy bar after a dead, a uh, president's dead daughter. 
who who died 20 years ago. They're like, that's who we were naming it after, not <laughs> Babe Ruth, the current superstar that everybody <laughs> loves. We named it after the dead kid. And then Babe Ruth tried to start his own candy bar in the 30s, and <gasps> Baby Ruth fought it in court saying it's too close to our you thing. You can't have it both ways. And they won. Baby Ruth. That's they won. insane. They won. That's insane. Oh that my they gosh. What scumbags, unless there are sponsors, in which case I'm sure they have their reasons, but that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. That they, they defended themselves by not being named after Babe Ruth and then they, and then they sued. Yeah. For Babe Ruth. That's Tom, crazy. do you remember the commercials for the Reggie bars at all when you were growing up? Um, I did, but I did rewatch them and I, I did, I think I remembered, I remembered the commercials existing. I did not remember how half hearted they were. Yeah, they really like, were. <laughs> like I, when you're a kid, everything seems like everybody seems like 10 feet tall and <laughs> like now as an adult and now just like as somebody who's worked in like production, you're just like, what did they have like two hours with Reggie Jackson yeah. for this? Yeah. You're just like, holy moly, he gave, he really phoned this one in. He's just sitting in like a kind of a comfortable chair and he says like, I love Reggie bars. And then he like opens one, he breaks it in half, which curious if that's how everyone eats their Reggie bars. You cannot break a Reggie bar in half. It would be all over your fingers. Yeah, he definitely breaks it in half. And then he is just like talks about it. And then that's it. It's sort of like he takes like a bite and he's like, hmm. I think he says pretty good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, he doesn't even like say this is great. Pretty good. Also, this he doesn't even stand C-. up. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even get up. You know, Reggie Jackson, that famous athlete. It's like, wonder what it would be like when he's in his study in his in his mansion. Let's go visit Reggie Jackson in his study where he's eating a pre-opened Reggie, <laughs> a pre-opened pre-split Reggie bar. Could they have gotten like one shot of him? Yeah. Doing something, even baseball adjacent. Yeah. I think about some of this stuff way too much. <laughs> Crazy. It's not healthy. Another thing that I learned about you, Tom, from your amazing memoir, it never ends, which everyone listening to this should pick up. It's um, incredible. Yes. Thank uh, you. Is that you um, speaking of sports, you were a basketball writer and, we both had an experience with the band Papa Roach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Probably different experiences. They were different experiences. Probably equally um, fun. Mine was that I met them at an award show I was working on, and Jacoby Shaddix kept calling me Matterhorn because of my mustache. Okay. He kept being like, that mustache, I'm going to call you Matterhorn, which I think is like, do you know what that means? I don't. I think it was like, oh, like a... I felt like a civil war reference or some kind of like history reference. And then I had to interview him at some point and I was like, I was Matterhorn guy. And he like totally remembered it, which was mm-hmm. nice. But I also just never have understood this reference, I guess. Is it worse that he remembered it or better that he remembered <laughs> it? Is it worse that I brought it up to be like, yeah, like, no, we I have brought this. It up. That'd be the first <laughs> thing I would have done. How many years later was the interview? It was, it was probably within Within a year, maybe two at the most. It was seemed okay. relatively recent. Um, okay. And you're just like, hey, it's me, Matterhorn. And he goes, <laughs> hey, Matterhorn, what's yeah. up, dude? And like, as I tell the story now, like he probably had didn't remember it all. Mm-hmm. He probably is just does a lot of interviews and probably just is, is good at making feel, people feel like mm-hmm. he remembers. Scene. Yeah. 
Yes. Uh, what was your experience with Papa Roach like, Tom? Oh, well, I was covering them for a basketball magazine. They were doing a, uh, a, I guess there was a contest that the Jim Beam liquor company had sponsored to get some, uh, to you go play basketball against Papa Roach, which <laughs> who wouldn't want to, what a, what a dream come true that is. <laughs> Fingers, it's like yeah. winning the chocolate factory in Willy <laughs> Wonka. You get to me and three of my friends get to play basketball against Papa Roach. (laughs) (laughs) So they get flown to New York. These people in the Midwest who are just not in basketball shape go to New York (laughs) to meet up against Papa Roach, who were also not in basketball shape. And it's at Chelsea Piers outdoors. And so then they to help the game out, they added a Harlem Globetrotter to each team. So there's at least one person who could actually play basketball. So they start playing the game and it's the worst basketball you ever saw in your life. <laughs> and the Harlem Globetrotter guys are trying just not, they could have just like ended the game if they just kept scoring, but they're like passing it to somebody and then they miss the ball goes over the backboard and just like, <laughs> and then guys from Papa Roach are sucking wind and, and it was just the most ridiculously bad play and then they were like okay well now you can go talk to the guys in papa roach and then they were in like a in like a hospitality tent that had just so much shrimp in it you know and it was like and they're like loading up on shrimp right after like running up and down the court it's just like how can you hold that shrimp down like are you not i would have just started like retching into the <laughs> I would have run I would have been like running over to the Hudson and been just like Whoa, there goes all the free shrimp but then I talked to them about basketball and they knew not like because I'm supposed to interview them for this basketball magazine it's like so who are your favorite players They're like yeah we don't I don't know Magic Johnson or something and it's like he had played in 15 years at that point they had no idea and the one guy I was like why what made you want to do this and then your pal uh jacoby shaddock said <laughs> jim beam dude like he was they were just doing it so they could get some jim beam and i'm sure a pile of money but also free jim beam the kicker for the whole thing is i was writing for a basketball magazine that was like a children's basketball magazine Oof. and the jim beam pr people are just like hey we just want to make sure you uh you're going to mention it's a Jim Beam sponsored thing and you know Jim Beam has all these other things and i'm just i just know in the back of my mind it's like they're never going to mention Jim Beam in this magazine. Yeah, they, like they the definitely editors are shouldn't. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. You tell 10-year-olds about Jim Beam. <laughs> it feels like what they should have done is just had it been just done the tent part of the meet and greet and had like a basketball magazine that's for adults cover it. I was the only press person at this entire thing. It was one of those things where they were just so grateful that I was there. And like they put a laminate over my neck as if somebody was going to go like, hold on, where do you think you're going? <laughs> and then I would show my Lammy, but oh, you're good. Come on through. There was nobody there. Yeah. I was going to ask if no there was fans, like an audience. No, yeah. nothing. Anybody walking by would have just been like, well, I guess they'll let anybody play basketball at Chelsea Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, no, this band has sold a million records <laughs> this year. Really? Oh, they were huge at that point. Yeah. They, they had were, a song called, Last resort that was a oh Jonah sing it a song. little bit. Is it like this is my this is something yeah. I started doing, Tom? Is yeah. like I know songs. This is my last resort. 
something. So, sort of. It's like, wait, did, how does it go? We want you guys sing it. This is it cut, cut my life, my life in into pieces. pieces. Cut my life into pieces. You're kind of doing it a little more British than Jacoby. Yeah. Cut my life. This is my last resort. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go to a commercial break and then we'll be back with our friend, icon Tom Sharpling. That seemed condescending too. I didn't mean it that way. I like it. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu And we're back. Okay. Tom, now we'd like to play a game with you called Back to the Present. Joan and Vanessa, we've got to go back to the present! 
the name of this game is obviously a take on Back to the Future. In this segment, we get to say something from our childhood that we wish would come back. Okay. Um, so we're going to put you on the spot a little bit, but we're going to give you some time to think. So we're going to give our answers first. And just remember, there are no wrong answers. No, I'm nervous. I don't want to get roasted if I no, say no, something no, stupid. No, 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 no. I'm going to get ro- by the roast master. I promise. Look out. Look out. I promise not to roast you too okay. bad. Thank you. Thank you, Vanessa. <laughs> now, my pick for Back to the Present, something I really would love to come back, is the TGIF sitcom Dinosaurs. Tom, do you remember Dinosaurs? Mm, do I ever? Yeah. I Look, I have a story that, le- that <gasps> culminates in Dinosaurs. No way. First, I just want to explain to the audience who isn't familiar, because where have y'all been, um, that Dinosaurs is an American family sitcom television series that aired on ABC from April 26, 1991 through October 19th, 1994. Um, The show about a family of anthropomorphic dinosaurs was set in 63 BC and Pangaea and centers around the Sinclair family. Okay, that's all I wanted to say. Now, Tom, we got to hear your story about dinosaurs. Well, and this is a story. It's all, it's a, this, this very nice listener was like, hey, next time you're in Los Angeles, I work over at the Jim Henson studios that was on um, the one that was on, it's all like off of Sunset. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Where the, you know, the one like on like Sunset and whatever it is, you know where it is. So he's like, come get a tour. And then by the time I got out there to take the tour, he's like, well, here's the tour. And then I get there and it's like all the Jim Henson stuff, Disney bought all of, and they came and took all of it. <gasps> So it's just like these empty rooms of just like, it's like, well, this is where the Muppets were made. And then, uh, but it's just like an empty room. And then he's like, oh, and this is, you know, where they used to store all the old, old Muppets. And there's, they're not here either. They're all, (gasps) so it's just like a tour of like an abandoned Muppet factory. But the only thing they did have was dinosaurs stuff. Like the dinosaurs were there. Yes. Like that was clear. Like that, like Disney was kind of just like, they're like, hey, you want to take this dinosaurs uh, stuff oh, with you? They're like, nah, we're good. You can leave <laughs> the baby <laughs> with the egg here. Not the mom. So, so, so the the show must have been over then. And wow, did it happen? Explosive ending. I'll I'll get to that. But I really liked the show Dinosaurs because it was like a fun family sitcom. But also, I kind of remembered this. Maybe because of the finale, which again, I'm really teasing hard, but we'll get to. But like they kind of covered like real topics on the show. And I was reading this article about it where they talk about how they did like tackle a lot of, you know, uh, environmentalism, endangered species, women's rights, sexual harassment, LGBT rights, object, which is what it was called, objectification of women, censorship, civil rights, body image, steroid use, like a lot of stuff was was tackled through these giant puppets mm-hmm. that were dinosaurs. But I, I didn't realize that the mom was played by Jessica Walter, mm-hmm. which is pretty crazy. Sally Struthers was on it. Christopher Maloney did guest spots. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. Yeah. They didn't make Jessica Walter put that thing on and lumber around the set. Well, when you go on Wikipedia and you look up who played which dinosaur, they tell you who, what the name of the character was. Who was their voice, which is what Jessica Walter was? Who was their body? Who was their face and head? Okay. And what species they were. <laughs> so Jessica Walter was a Allosaurus, 
But then they say like all the people that play the different parts of the dinosaur, sometimes multiple people. That's the kind of job I need. Yeah. Just do the voice of a dinosaur. You have to put the suit on. Body of oh Spike, played by David Greenaway. This was bef- before you were in the biz, huh? 91 to 94. Yeah, how old do you think I am? <laughs> no, no, I, have no, I have like no you sense think, of time anymore. I think I was like 12 years before I did anything. <laughs> I have a friend and I'm not going to out her for this because I because I've outed her before and I think maybe someday she'll do our podcast and she'll out herself for this. But she said that her first crush ever was um, was Robbie, the di- the dinosaur song. So he was like the cool, he was like the Jonathan <laughs> he was Taylor really Thomas cool. of dinosaurs. Yeah. He was a cool guy. Mm-hmm. But I really always enjoyed that show. It always felt, I think because they did have like Henson um, puppets, it it always looked really cool. And I look, was I as into the baby and the not the mama song and all that stuff? That that stuff never quite um, hit with me as much as it I think did with some people. But something that I think people really remember about that show is the series finale. It, I think they went into their fourth season knowing that they were going to get canceled. And they mm-hmm. did this series finale titled Changing Nature, which depicts the irresponsible actions of the dinosaurs towards their environment and the ensuing ice age, which leads to their demise. So basically, like, the dad works for, like, this this company that does this. Basically, the dad at his work does sort of like a thing where he sprays, like, this environment. Like, there, it's like a whole environmental, like, lesson he disrupts like the ecosystem. Essentially, he disrupts the ecosystem, and his boss, who only cares about money, is and he and he sort of says to his boss, like, "This will create like smoke, and it's like not good for the environment." And his boss just cares about money, and is like, "Who cares?" And then I just watched it again. the The ending is so it's like basically it's like there's global cooling, and everything's cold, and the baby like asks, and and the dad apologizes for like not caring more about the earth, and then the baby asks his like siblings and everyone like are we going to be okay and they're like well we're going to be together and then basically it's like the end of dinosaurs like dinosaurs become extinct at the end of the of the series and it really very impactful and really i guess like i was reading about it i guess the network didn't really want it to air but they like let it air and pretty interesting that 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 they decided to do that i mean very topical to be that's crazy. It's just like, it would be like if like, hey, it's the end of Friends. And instead of like <laughs> Rachel and Ross getting together, what if all the friends die? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, what if they realize they're going to die? It does feel like, you know, like, yeah, like they, the the smog in New York. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. just. It would be like Chandler <laughs> did a thing with his boss. And then Joey would be like, are we going to die? Chandler, are we going to die? He'd go, yeah think you could ask something yeah. more obvious yeah <laughs> yeah and monica would go not now chandler <laughs> that's my monica impression have you ever mm-hmm. heard it tom your Isn't monica that impression good? yeah want me to do it again sure not now rachel <laughs> i like it she always says i know she's always saying i know i know i know i my all i can say is her is not now rachel or i could mm-hmm. you probably do anyone's name not now mm-hmm. phoebe does it bug you that they say Phoebes? It makes my, it makes my, just like <laughs> whenever they call her Phoebes, it makes, it just makes me like the hairs on the back of my neck just go like, Ugh. I love it because I, you know, I do a, Rachel oh, yes, impression. of course. I, I, yes. And I'm it's fully. Phoebes is one of the easiest things to say in her voice. Phoebes. Sure. 
Oh, Phoebe. Oh, yeah. Rach. But when like Chandler says it, it sucks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He can't he's like, say hey, it. Phoebs, what are we going to do? Like, it's like. Or when Ross is like, Phoebs. No. Anyways. Love dinosaurs, really impactful. Sorry, Jonah, what were you going to say? Did you know that Tom did uh, a Friends-themed top podcast? I don't think you even knew that. <gasps> oh, my gosh. We did, we're four seasons in. It's a recap podcast, but it's not. It's just making fun of recap podcasts. <laughs> it's called Meet My Friends, The Friends. And we're four seasons in on it, and we take extended breaks between them, but we try to make it a funny... It's a, it's a funny version of a collapsing recap podcast that like the character of tom is clearly doing it because he wants recap podcast money and <laughs> i'm compromising myself but pretend but claiming i'm not and and then i'm working with the producers on the show jason and pat who are the real <laughs> best show producers and then like jason is just so evil to me and like i caught him bad mouthing the podcast outside of the ucb theater like saying it's stupid he's just doing it for the money and then like i call him out and then i fire him and then he steals the audio bumpers and it's just it's just it's four seasons of the dumbest it's so stupid it's i'm a fan of it i think i gotta check it out i can't believe i had no idea like we said tom you got so much going on it's hard to keep track yeah, it means it's hard for me to keep track. Well, I think I've talked enough about dinosaurs, but truly we could do a whole episode. We could do a series of episodes about dinosaurs because there's so mm-hmm. much there. But an incredible show. And um, if every if anyone has not checked out the series finale of Dinosaurs, definitely mm-hmm. worth the watch. Oh, just to say this, you're probably wondering, where can I watch dinosaurs? Well, it was added to Disney Plus on January 29th, 2021. So you could get Disney Plus and then okay. you can watch it. That seemed like more. I was going to guess Pluto TV <laughs> for, <laughs> for dinosaurs. You kind of have to watch dinosaurs with commercials for MRIs and for mesothelioma lawsuits <laughs> in the commercial breaks. Just, yeah. But Disney Plus, I'll... Disney Plus. Maybe, Disney maybe Plus. I'll watch it. Yeah. And maybe yeah. the reboot comes along. Yeah. Somebody else might be doing that voice of uh, mom. They play oh, their cards yeah. right. Well, look, I'm not saying that I I would be thrilled with the opportunity. Okay. Is all I'm going to say. And I can do voices. Get me in there as dad or whatever. <laughs> not yeah. now, Billy. <laughs> yeah. Or I could be the daughter and I could be like, I hate high school. Well, you got to go to school. It's important. Yeah. <laughs> See, I even would not cast myself now based dinosaurs. on that. Listen We're dinosaurs. dinosaurs. I'm a dinosaur. Look, I'm kind of a dinosaur. Okay, we I, nailed it. Well, I Jonah, think you guys nailed it. Yeah. So, what um, would be your what is your pick for Back to the Present? Well, um, my pick, I think, Tom, this is one that that you will you will relate to as well. Mm. Um, my pick is going to be Tower Records. Ooh. Which I just had a flashback to. I think I can't remember how I was with Vanessa. I think we were. I remember running into you outside other music at one point around the corner from Tower Records. I think you were buying an Albert Eiler album. Whoa. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. That's the kind of stuff that I can remember. I can't remember anything from our childhood. (laughs) Yeah, I can't remember anything from our childhood. (laughs) Your family. Yeah. So, (laughs) 
But I remember obviously seeing you there, obviously other other music, Tower Records down the street at Broadway, but all the Tower Records US locations closed in 2004. Wow. You know, it was a huge, huge chain, you know, all over the place. It was started by Russ Solomon, who reportedly died in 2018 with, with a glass of whiskey in his hands after the Tower Records had been dormant for more than a decade. Oh, he was 92. Yeah, he was 92. And uh, yeah, there was a location in New York on 4th Too and Broadway. Soon. Too, Too soon. soon. <laughs> Too soon. There was a location on 4th and Broadway. There's also an annex. There's still, I believe there still is one in Japan. I've, I've yes. been to the one in Japan, actually. Have you been there, Tom? I have not. But I I, I saw that uh, documentary that What's-His-Face made, Chet Hayes. Right. No, the other son, Colin Hanks. Made, Colin Hanks uh, made a documentary about it recently. Yeah. So oh, recently. Wow. And so so here's the interesting part is that I wish it would come back as, as, as a record store, but it did come back, reopened as an online store in 2020. Okay. Um, so it was supposed to happen at South by Southwest, but I guess that got canceled. And so the CEO said of the brand's comeback, it has been met with tremendous success feedback. A lot of people are so happy taking pictures when they receive an order from Tower Records posting it on Instagram. So basically, it's just a mail order, but you get like a Tower Records bag. Okay. Which to me is, I get, I get, listen, I worked at record stores growing up. I, I, I get how hard it is for them to stay in business, but it doesn't really feel the same as a Tower Records experience just ordering something that comes in a yellow bag. No, no. that the, the whole point of Tower Records was that it was a place you could go and they had everything as opposed to like the small record stores that were in every town that there was this one gigantic record store that had all the genres and the staff was knowledgeable. Like that's the stuff you want from a record store. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I went to their website to see if, if there were any records featuring you at tower records and there were a couple, there was a Steven universe vinyl and it's totally sold out of tower. Can't get it. Mm -hmm. Well, and then it said recently like viewed things. And I guess I had Ooh. at one point been on their web store and I had looked at uh, their exclusive red and yellow pressing of Ozzy Osbourne's No More Tears album. I guess at one point I was like, maybe I should spend $60 on this limited edition pressing. Of the- I didn't buy it. But, sure. Uh, but you so you certainly <laughs> contemplated it. I thought about it at one point. I don't really remember, but I, I guess I did. But yeah, I mean... Tom, how do you sort of feel about about Tower? Did you go to that one in New York often? The one on Fourth Street? Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I was so yeah. excited. I remember as a kid when that opened, and it was the you could not believe what you were seeing, like a multi floor record store that seemed to have everything and had all these imports from England and Japan, and you could find everything. And then they had their own magazine. Yeah, I loved. I was. I love Tower Records so much. I every anytime I went to the city, as we called it, when you're in New Jersey, you're just like, Are you going to the city? Are you going the you wanna go to the city? And you're just like, the city. So we would go to the city and then go to Tower Records. Where was it on Fourth and what? Fourth and Broadway. Fourth and Broadway, yeah. And then I felt like it was like after it closed, they had this kind of weird like event space there or something it was like the ESPN zone or yeah, like there's like the, a major league baseball headquarters yeah. or something. Vanessa, you might, it was on the corner and it has these beautiful windows that would go all the way down the block. 
And yeah. they would do all sorts of things that were just like, you'd be like, oh, what's going on in there? And you'd yeah. be like, like, oh, that's kind of crazy, weird, very expensive event that they're putting together in there. And then it would be gone two weeks later because it was all temporary. And they also had tower video at the opposite end of the block, which was, wow. which was the, the magazine store and all the video stuff. And, um, I always remember people would be like, you know, Keith Richards lives above the tower records. He's in that apartment, but it's like, <laughs> seems like one of those like dumb rumors as a kid mm-hmm. when you're just like, you hear and you're just like, what? <laughs> Maybe we'll see him. And then you like, wait outside for a minute in front. Like, let's just see if he comes by. And then did you ever spot he doesn't Keith Richards because there? he doesn't live there. <laughs> no, I never did see Keith Richards <laughs> carrying a bag of groceries, going trying to go home. <laughs> My first place in New York was at Broadway and Eighth, but it wasn't until 2010. So I, I know that that space, but like it wasn't mm-hmm. there. But I will say a similar thing. Similar thing was going on in my building where the guy who I can't think of the actor's name, but who was on the Wonder Years, who everyone said became Marilyn Manson. Paul, the guy who played Paul. The, the guy Wonder who played years. Paul lived in my that building that I okay. lived in. And they were like, I remember the doorman being like, he lives here. And, and like, he wasn't. Marilyn Did you Manson. ever see him? I saw him once. I saw him like with, I think I saw him once walking out with like a briefcase. And actually, it was so funny. I always would have these like very, very, was very fun to live in these buildings that had doormen, but the doormen were always super gossipy wherever I lived. So like, I remember um, one of Steven Tyler's daughters lived in that building too. And I remember like, he was like, you just missed him. He just walked out. And I remember like seeing Steven Tyler, like kind of like also just walking out, like truly like wearing like Steven Tyler, like very wildly Scarves printed bell and, bottoms and stuff sure. like like i guess he just dresses like steven tyler all the time which is good for him you know yeah. that's his style now vanessa do you know who thought they were steven tyler's daughter's father for a long time in their life <gasps> oh my god things are coming so oh my god that circle todd rundgren yep Liv Tyler grew up. Liv Tyler, right? Mia Tyler lived in that building, but Liv Tyler, that's right. She thought her dad, isn't it like a crazy story where like she thought her dad was Todd Rundgren and then she met Steven Tyler and he was like, you look like me or something. I'm not exactly sure. I've heard that. I don't know exactly what the specifics are, but do you know when I had to look up Todd Rundgren's age, I can see his sibling, his children's names, three kids, Rex Rundgren. Rebop Rundgren. Okay. And Randy Rundgren. Wow. So he right. stuck with the R's. So yeah. how do we s- sort of stack up? Well, you're the, the you're the Liv Tyler of the of the thing. <laughs> and Jonah's the middle one, right? What He's was the Rebop. Re- He's the Rebop. Re-bop. <laughs> I feel like a Rebop. Yeah. I feel that way. You know, I can't believe I didn't know the story because I actually in the last three months have read both Joe Perry and Joey Kramer's biographies. Mm-hmm. I've been on a big Aerosmith biography Great. kick. Yeah. You know, they sell other books at uh, the bookstore. I got, I've, I've been There's on this. all sorts of books, like really well, well-written ones that you can also buy. Like, and they're for sale to anybody. You can, it any of really- the ones that you're allowed to buy. It was really interesting. Cause they were both kind of telling the same stories. 
Uh-huh. Um, just from slightly different perspectives. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's, it is weird yeah. that you that you read one and you thought, I mean, they're different people, totally different people. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got to say the Joe Perry one was was better written. I do this thing where before bed, I want to read something like mm-hmm. not too cerebral. Heavy. Tom, I would never read your book. It's too much, too much I want to focus on, but something lighter and it'll just, you know, that I don't care about as much and, and I'll just read it and drift off. And that's sure. Aerosmith biography is just going to do it for me. And look, I don't know who I, where I get off making fun of you for that. I have listened to three audiobooks by members of Corn. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to one by Monkey and then two by Fieldy who his thing was the first one is just like how I got out of corn and found <laughs> God. Is that feel is that Fieldy's dreams or that's just I can't I couldn't tell okay. you. I'm sorry. So the first one is just like he's like corn were out of control and the drug addicts and I had to get out of there and then I found Christ. And then the second book is kind of just like, yeah, and then I went back and joined corn again. Like the second book is about just like, turns out nobody wanted to see my Christian rock band, <laughs> but kind of that chair was open in corn still. So uh, they cleaned up their act. I was still clean and I got back with corn the end. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I, I don't know where I get off making fun of anybody for reading two Aerosmith books. But did he talk about the, the drummer in Aerosmith tell the story of when he set himself on fire at a gas station? Yeah. Pump by looking at a cell phone. <laughs> like, yeah. He talked about that. He's like the equivalent of like when they're like, oh, you know, you you drink soda and pop rocks and explode. You're like, that never happens. And then you hear like, oh, don't look at your cell phone while you're pumping your own gas. You could catch on fire. Someone else was pu- someone else was pumping. Like someone working there was pumping the gas for him. And yeah, something weird happened. And then like the car blew up. How does that happen? You got to re- you got to read Joey Joey Kramer's book to to really find out. What's the like um mechanism by which your car would explode? I think the spark is there a, a, the heat from the phone or something is too got close it. to the gas fumes yes. maybe? Got it. Got it. Got something it. Something weird it. happened. Yeah. Um Well, cuz you know something else that I heard recently which makes sense but I didn't realize it is like you shouldn't have your phone pl- if you're like in the bath like and you're looking at your phone like don't have your phone plugged in why why you zap because you can electrocute yourself oh okay i hope everybody i hope our you know however many listeners Mm -hmm. you don't know how many lives you just saved yeah don't plug in your phone while you're in the bath the word hero gets thrown around very (laughs) casually these days but vanessa you're really it's a hero is the person that does the thing when it's hard to do it and you just showed <laughs> some serious heroism it's whatever i'm saving lives and <laughs> it's whatever all right now tom what what are your thoughts for for back to the present do you have anything you'd like to bring back yeah well, what would i want to bring back other than the reggie bar now i'm going to just be thinking of red i'm going to go now i'm going to spend the night just trying to manufacture a reggie bar just see what candy <laughs> looks like it and then smash it into a blob. I'll be like, it's kind of like a Reggie bar. I bet Reggie bars wouldn't be that hard to make. Like, yeah, you know, get relative to other bars. Ironically, I think it is just a baby Ruth bar in a different shape. <laughs> if it's, if it's chocolate and caramel and peanuts, isn't that yeah. 
That's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. But it's made yeah. it's made by people with more dignity. Mm-hmm. Yes, more exactly. More proprietary rights, respect for for proprietary rights. You know, it's a, I have an I have an ironic one is something I wanted to come back and then it I found it. It's <gasps> great. It's a, um because I always loved like video stores and just like renting movies and walking around the store and picking things out and streaming always seems like such a it's so super convenient but it's also just like it's like you scroll through all the trash when you're trying to pick something out on streaming and it's just like I miss like like curated video stores and then I there's a, I found one <gasps> in Pasadena there's a video store called video tech and it's all it's like it was like going right all the way back to everything i ever wanted again and they have it's this amazing store with like totally curated it's all good stuff and there's stuff you can't get on streaming they have there they just have all of it and it's just the best and i just am hooked on this place now so mine is a little um i got mine granted Wow. Let me ask you a couple questions. First of all, what is the form in which you get the videos? Like Blu-ray. Blu-ray. Okay. Blu-ray may or DVD. Okay. And then my second question is, so a curated video store is basically like, because I don't know that we had any of these in Cleveland growing up. Like it's basically is the idea that whoever owns it only has things that they really like. No, is that the idea? Yes. This is like something where it's just like we have like here are all the here's a lot of international movies. Here's stuff that's by all by this director and they have it in the section. There's clearly a, like a love of movies in the layout of the place and the selections and stuff. It's not just like here are the new releases and that's it. Right, right, it's, right. It's right. not kind of caught up in that new releases kind of thing like Blockbuster was where you just like wander the the new release aisle all night and then like there'd always be like a like a sun bleached copy of like cool runnings that was just stuck in the by the window just like the covers almost completely faded but um no this place is amazing and i just go there all the time now what are some recent (gasps) recent finds there that, that you've been enjoying tom i just literally today just rented the um the uh Karen Carpenter movie that Todd Haynes made because I'm starting to go on a Todd Haynes kick. Well, he's named after our dad, so. Yes, well, he took it from, he credits it fully, full credit. As he should. Your dad. Todd to Todd. What if there was a conversation, Todd to Todd, and it was your dad interviewing different Todds? Well, that could be a spinoff podcast, maybe. Yeah. Or at least an episode. <laughs> or at least an episode. Todd, Todd on Todd, and it's him talking about what it's like to be a Todd, Todd mishaps, mm-hmm. just all the things that go with being a Todd. I think that'd be amazing. Got to get on that. I might steal that. We admire and love you, Tom. Yeah, thank you for being here. And everybody listening, please listen to the best show. Again, please read Tom's book, It Never Ends. Please subscribe to our podcast. And keep an eye out for next week's episode where we'll discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural touchstones like veggie bars. Thanks again, Tom. You.
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts oh hi i'm rachel zoe and my podcast climbing in heels is back and better than ever you might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 